Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to share a few things with you tonight, being Good Friday, and we're going to take communion together, which I think is a beautiful thing to do. We, we've done this pretty well consistently for the last nine and a half years. Most services, most Sundays, we, we nearly always try to take communion, very rare. Occasionally, if we have a guest speaker, we don't. And we do that uh, not out of ritual, but we do it because we believe that there is such power as we come together and celebrate the sacrifice of Christ, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, he said, do this as, as often as you eat it. And so even though it, it adds some time to the services, we felt that it's an important priority and something that's special and beautiful. So we're gonna do that tonight. Hallelujah. Shabakaramasa. Let's just take a minute and pray. Can we pray in the spirit for a minute? If you don't, if you don't pray in tongues, that's okay. You can ask him to give you the gift of tongues. But if not, just begin to pray from your heart for a minute. You could ask him for help. Help me to understand. Can we take a minute right now? Father, we love you. We need you. God, you are our source. You are our life. You are our delight. Jesus Christ, you are our Lord and our Savior. Lord, we lift up your name. Come on, just open your heart and begin to pray. Deep calls out to deep, God. Our deep calls out to your deep to give you the worship and the honor and the praise that you deserve. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, wonderful Father, we bless you, we worship you, we give you honor and praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. What have I done? Top button. Praise the Lord, the, the um, people on the camera looking after me. My father watches the television. Hallelujah. He hasn't yet. Um, given his life to Christ, but he will. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray. Papa, we so thank you for today. This is the day that you have made and we're gonna rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we need you. We need you to, get to for everything that we do, God, you are our life source. Lord, you're our ever-present help in time of need. And Lord, our time of need is all the time. Holy Spirit, we lean on you. You're our help, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 53. I've been making my way through Isaiah. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 41, 42, 43, 44. As I've been working my way through, I've been fascinated to hear the prophecies about the Messiah and to read about who he is and what he would do. 
You know, it is so glorious to know that God had a plan long before even the foundation of the world. He had a plan. Hallelujah. And because of Jesus now, we together can come to worship him. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. But we're going to read in Isaiah 53 a prophecy about Jesus, starting in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Hallelujah. What an amazing prophecy about what Jesus the Messiah did for us on Calvary. It points out an amazing fourfold atonement. The Father laid the iniquity, the crookedness of the whole world on him so that through him we could be reconciled to God. Light can have no fellowship with darkness. God is light. And the Bible says that we can't be unequally yoked. So the father wouldn't unequally yoke his son with anything less than perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. But no one could become perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. No, not even one. So the father laid all of the crookedness, all of the sin of all mankind on the son so that he would die in our place, taking our punishment, our sin, so that as he rose again, having conquered sin and death, anyone who would receive it, believe that he is the Messiah, open their hearts and receive forgiveness. And it takes humility to receive. You won't receive if you don't believe you have any need for forgiveness. But if you acknowledge, I have need of mercy and forgiveness, and you open your heart and you receive it, he gives you in exchange for your sin, for your life, for your shame, for every stain, every trace of crookedness, he gives you in exchange his life. We become joined to him. We died with him, 
when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus. Our life is crucified with his. We don't have to do it. We don't have to go through it. We don't have to crucify ourselves. By faith, we become partakers of his death, burial, and resurrection, and we become new creations in Christ. It is the new covenant. We become clean, hallelujah. All our iniquity, all our sin is taken away and we become as righteous as God, able to be joined to him in a marriage union as the bride of Christ, joined to the heavenly bridegroom, forever having eternal life with him. Hallelujah. It is the glorious culmination of the whole story where Christ become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ, so that together we rise again and become the bride of Christ, the body of Christ with him as our head, hallelujah. But he describes this fourfold atonement. He begins saying, surely he has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. At nighttime, I, um, I like to take communion before I go to sleep. Sometimes I do it in the mornings as well. And I've got these little communion cups with the wafers on the top because it's really handy while I'm traveling because I find trying to find bread and grape juice when you're in a different hotel room every night of the week. Sometimes when I'm traveling um, overseas, it's just handy to carry them with me to have a little cup. You know, communion doesn't have to be a little cup. It's not about how many mils of grape juice there is. But for me, it's quite a useful little thing to travel with. So I've got some juice and, and got some bread. But at night time, as I get ready to take the communion, I, um, I just use it as a trigger to provoke me to worship to enjoy what the Father has done for me, to enjoy what Jesus has done. And I take this bread, this piece of unleavened bread, and I look at it and I, I think about this scripture in Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne my griefs. He's carried my sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we're healed. So I take this and I look at it and I think about, wow, God, is there anything going on in my heart that I'm grieving about, that I'm sad about? Is there anything going on in my heart that has stolen my peace, that I'm worried about. You said, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So Lord, surely you bore my sorrows. You bore my griefs. So God, I, I begin to pick them up, the things that are bothering me. God, I've been concerned about this, Lord. I, this, this weighs on my mind, God. I, we need a building, God. But Father, I thank you, Lord. I can carry my cares to you and you bore it for me. So thank you, it's on the care of that's on your body. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. God, I, I really wanna see 
my father, my brother. I want to see my sister. I want to see others. I want to see these people I've been praying for salvation. I want to see them come to Christ. Lord, I, I cast that care on you. I make my request known to you. I bring them before you. Thank you, Lord, that you are going after them. Thank you, Lord, that you who've planted the seeds in them, you, your word will, will, will not uh, return to you void, but it will accomplish what you sent forth to do. So, Father, thank you. I cast the care of them on to you right now. The ones I'm praying for, Father, that one who's suffering with sickness, Lord, surely you bore their sickness. I carry the weight of the emotion and the, the burden that I feel for them. I thank you, Lord. I'm asking for their healing. I send forth the word of healing and I cast the care of that on you because surely you bore it. Hallelujah. And I unpack all my cares and I, I see them actually being put on his body. Hallelujah. There's another scripture, and we'll come back to Isaiah 53, but Matthew 26, Matthew 26, 26. It's the story of the Passover. It says here, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, verse 20, 26, and after giving thanks, he broke it, gave it his, to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And after taking the cup and giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of the covenant that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Some scriptures, uh, some translations say for the remission of sins, but if you look up that word forgiveness, remission, in the, in the Strong's, it, it defines it like this, freedom from pardon, uh, freedom pardon, deliverance, forgiveness, liberty, remission. Sometimes if you use the word remission, you think of like a cancer diagnosis. When someone's in remission, you think, well, they're not suffering with it right now, but you know, it could come back. This is not what God is talking about. The beauty about Jesus' sacrifice is that it doesn't come back. He doesn't remember it anymore. It's freedom from sin, it's freedom, it's pardon, forgiven. Zephaniah um, chapter three, verse 17 says this, and I'll read it from the Amplified because I love it. The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction and in his love he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He will exalt over you with singing. That's who he is. When he, when he said, this is my body broken for you, when he took the cup and he said, drink from it, all of you, he said, it's the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood poured out for you to take away your sin. It's my body broken for you. He was, he was doing what Isaiah prophesied would happen. And he was declaring, this is what will fulfill the messianic promise, the new covenant, the way of life, his death his body being broken, his blood being spilt. And so going back to Isaiah 53, we, we read it and we, we realize, he says here, 
all of us have gone astray, like sheep, all of us have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord's response to our rebellion, the Lord's response to our sin, isn't to throw judgment at us, isn't to withdraw from us. His response to sin is to forgive us. That's what he does. It's love that passes knowledge. It's peace that passes understanding. His response to wickedness, to sin, to sinful people, his response to those ones who were killing him, the ones who were crucifying him, what did he say to the Father about them? Don't forget God, you get them, make sure you get them, let this be paid on their, their children and their children. And their, is that what he said? No. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The response of Jesus to sin is to offer forgiveness. That should be our response too. When someone wrongs us, instead of saying, Lord, don't let them get away with it, you get them, you get them, you get them. Because of the gift freely given to us, we can freely give what he gave to us and we can, we can give forgiveness. We don't even have to try and find it in our own emotions. He's given it to us as a promise. I give you forgiveness and whatever he gives you, you have the right to give away. So by faith, I can give you what's been given to me. I forgive you. Hallelujah. Because the just live by faith, not by feelings. Hallelujah. So we have the right. So I take this and I unpack at the end of the night. You know, in order for us to be able to have room for what God wants to pour into our hearts, which is the love of Christ, that he wants to fill us, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 3, with all the fullness of God. That's God who fills all in all. God. Not a bit of God. He doesn't want to just give you a little touch, a little mark. God himself wants to fill you, your body, your heart, your mind, your soul. He wants to fill you with all his fullness. He comes and he makes us as righteous as he is. He is good. So he comes and he makes you fully good. He comes, he makes you fully righteous. He comes, he makes you fully kind. He comes and he makes you fully peaceful. It's the gift. He wants you to be overflowing with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that at his right hand are pleasures forevermore, and in his presence there is fullness of joy. One translation says absolute joy. It's just there's no room for anything but joy. Ah. So this is our inheritance and our invitation. As we come to the table, 
He doesn't want us to already be full with cares, worries, condemnation, fear, concern, guilt. So at the end of the night, I, I like to unpack. I do a lot of packing and unpacking. I, I, I'm, yes, praise the Lord. My suitcase, Tom just gets a little bit frustrated with me sometimes because he likes to pack things quite orderly so that we can fit as much into one suitcase so we don't have to take more than one. However, me, I like to have room in my suitcase so I can just do it really fast. <laughs> close, the, close the lid. I like to do things quickly. But you see, the thing is, if I don't unpack the bag, then I haven't got room to put in the new things. And at the end of the night, I have to unpack my heart because otherwise I carry clutter. And that clutter keeps me from being able to be filled with all the fullness of God, with absolute peace absolute joy, absolute faith in knowing I'm righteous and clean and holy so that I can lie down and sleep in peace. So God wants me to unpack. So I do, I unpack the cares and I put them because surely he bore them. I unpack any pain, any sickness, rather than just dealing with it and hoping that I'm gonna get better. I thank you, Lord, by your stripes I was healed. I see any affliction that's on my body going from my body to be put on your body because you bore it on your body for me. By your stripes I was healed. Any stress, any anxiety, the scripture tells me here in Isaiah 53 that he was chastised for my peace. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, upon him. So anything in my heart, in my mind, that isn't peace, perfect peace, I don't have to put up with it. I need to unpack it, put it on him. Thank you, God. My anxiety, thank you, Lord. You said don't be anxious about anything, but everything in, in, um, with prayer and supplication, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4. What he says is basically this, unpack, put it all on him and you will be filled with peace. Your heart won't be cluttered by anxieties, worries and stresses. You'll have room for perfect peace. So unpack, what am I anxious about? I make my request known to you, God. I lift that up to you. I'm not gonna just pretend to not be anxious about it. I'm gonna bring it to you as a request. Lord, help in that situation. Thank you. So I bring it with thanksgiving. Thank you, God. You've heard my prayer. I cast that care on you. Surely you've borne it. I give it over to you tonight. Hallelujah. And I put it on you. And then as I, as I begin to unpack and I do all of this, I put it all on him. And I thank him. I worship him. I be thanks, God. Surely that night as you were in the garden, you knew that you would take on the weight of the world, but you did it knowing that we could live together because of your sacrifice. We could be joined. You took on the sin of the world 
And Lord, I thank you. I don't want to waste a drop of what you've done. Thank you. You're not, it's not something that you're doing now. You did this for me. So Father, I just thank you by faith. I see it all on the cross with you. Lord, I thank you that you bore it. You died and you rose again. And now you give me ah, the refreshing rain of your peace and your righteousness, your joy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Then I eat the bread and thank him for it. Thank you, Jesus. Then I pick up this cup and I look at it and sometimes get quite overwhelmed. I think about the, the red color, the blood. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. It's the cup of the new covenant. The old, under the old covenant, Bulls and goats were sacrificed to try to cover sin, but the new covenant doesn't cover sin. It's not taken away temporarily. He actually gives you complete freedom from it and promises never to recall it again. He says he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness, not to be dug up and brought up on the day of judgment. In fact, some people believe that. They think, okay, I'm forgiven now, but on the day of judgment, yeah. that's the day of reckoning. That's when I'll have to really face what I've done. I'd like to tell you the scripture addresses that really, really clearly. In 1 John chapter 3, chapter 4, you read it. He says, we, have bold, we can have boldness on the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. On the day of judgment, you don't have to think that suddenly he's gone and he's dredged up the sea of forgetfulness and brought it all up, all the skeletons in the closet, all the sins, all the things you've ever done. On the day of judgment, you're gonna have to face it all. No, if you have brought it to the cross, you've acknowledged, I need forgiveness. I receive your grace. He says that as you receive the gift of his forgiveness, he has taken it away. It is no longer any part of you as he is, and he is perfectly righteous, holy, good. So are we in this world. I look at this cup and I think that's what this means. The red color in the book of Exodus, Moses was told, the, was told by God to turn the water into blood. It was a sign of judgment. But when Jesus came, he didn't turn the water into blood. He turned the water into wine. Then he took the wine later on and said, this is my blood. It's the blood of the new covenant. Blood needed to be shed for sin, so he poured out his blood. So instead of you having to be judged, he took the judgment so that we could drink the wine of the marriage supper of the lamb, so that we would be qualified oh, to be joined to him. When you die, you don't get to heaven and face the judgment of all the sins that you've done if you are someone who has humbled yourself, acknowledged your need of grace and received it by faith. He says, you can have boldness on the day of judgment. Why? 
because God's judgment of you will be as he is, so are they. He is holy, righteous, so are they. Some people think, oh, I don't know about that. It's okay, read your Bible. I particularly encourage you to read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Read through all the epistles. Read Romans. Five, six, seven, eight. The whole book, the whole book of Romans. You'll discover the good news of the gospel is that there's a whole new system being brought into place because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It doesn't make human sense. It's not humanly fair. Like, what? You mean someone that was a murderer, did terrible things, that was a liar, was cruel all their life, and they came to Jesus in their last days and said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I need grace. I believe Jesus became sin so I could become righteous. I receive it. And then a few weeks later, die, go to heaven. And on the day of judgment, all the people they've murdered are there. And the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. You're beautiful, clean, as he is, so are you. Come in, spend eternity with me. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What's wrong with this picture? Doesn't sound like human justice. That's because divine justice is so much higher, so much greater. Justice was paid. Their sins were judged. But they were judged as Jesus became sin, took it on his body, took the punishment, took the judgment so that we could humble ourselves and receive what we have no part in earning. As I take the cup, I look at this cup and I, my heart doesn't get flippant and think, well, praise the Lord, I can sin and get away with it. That thought just doesn't cross my mind. Because I look at this and I think, But I ha the wages of sin is death. There's a heaven and a hell. But you, you came and you made a way for me not to have to pay for any of my sins. I should have to pay. I should be paying the price. I should be dying for my sin, but you died for me. And I don't have to live in shame with the shame of that knowledge for the rest of my life. You invite me to come in and receive absolute joy, absolute peace, and absolute righteousness. When my heart says, guilty, wicked, wrong, you deserve judgment. And your word says to me, even if your heart condemns you, I'm greater than your heart. And I look at this cup and I think, wow, Jesus. In the privacy of my own room at nighttime as I get ready to go to bed, I remember Jesus, 
The Father laid the iniquity of us all on you. So thank you, Jesus, for the cup of the new covenant that gives me boldness on the day of judgment. But I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to be afraid of one day everybody finding out about my sins because you've forgiven them, you've forgotten them, and you now look at me as though I've never sinned. Thank you for the cup, Lord. Thank you for the blood. I'm going to ask our team just to begin to hand out the, the elements, and we're going to take communion together. I'd encourage you to consider even um, making this a daily habit for yourselves because I find it a really useful tool for unpacking. You see, many of us needlessly, needlessly live without the fullness of joy. We needlessly live without fullness of peace. The world's looking for perfect peace. Peace, 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 but there is no peace. But God says, I'll give you peace that passes understanding. Fullness of peace. I will give you joy where there's no room for anything but joy. It's our invitation, but it requires a response. The way to receive it is simply spelt out for us in scripture. Don't carry it. Ask him. Make your requests known to him. Give him thanks. Cast your cares on him. And the peace of God will rule and reign in your hearts. You know, I believe there's been a lot of people who've lived without enjoying the fullness of their salvation. The sacrifice of Jesus is not just about what happens after you pass from this life into the next. It's about us being able to live here and now in a state of absolute joy, in a state of absolute perfect peace, in a state of absolute perfect righteousness so that everyone who meets us can have an encounter with the living Christ because as he is, so are we. Who are they meeting when they meet you? Are they meeting someone carrying a whole bunch of baggage? They probably are if you're not unpacking. It's done, it's finished, yes, but unless you actually unpack and let him give you every day what he wants to give you, to be filled with all the fullness requires a continuous filling. In order to overflow, you've got to keep pouring. If you want a glass to overflow, you don't just fill it up to the top, you keep pouring. God wants to keep pouring, and to, in order for us to receive it, we've got to open our hearts and make room for it, which means giving him the cares, the worries, the sickness, the, the fears, the anxieties, the griefs, the sorrows, so that he can give it to you in, in exchange. There's another beautiful passage of scripture in Isaiah. Good book. It's actually fascinating. It's like the first 39 chapters. Show the, show the old covenant and it's like the next 
lot of chapters tell us, talk about the new covenant. And it says there in Isaiah 61 that instead of sorrow, he gives us joy, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. He gives us beauty instead of ashes. He makes us oak trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. For our former shame, pain, and disgrace, he gives us double recompense. This is divine exchange. It's an invitation, but it's waiting your response. You can keep your heaviness, or you can exchange it for joy. You do that by unpacking, believing that surely he bore it, and by faith, making room to receive the smiling face of your father that looks at you, isn't interested in your continued contrition, but your faith that will look after him like a little child and enjoy the salvation that he's given you. Faith pleases God. Hallelujah, have you got your emblems now? Praise the Lord. I want you just to look at that little piece of cracker you've got in front of you. Pierced, broken, striped. It was the body of Jesus. Perfect one who knew no sin. Never, not once did he sin. Never, ever sinned. Your loving Loving God came as a man, lived a sinless life, showed us how to love. Then he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, whipped, beaten, marred beyond any ability for people to even recognize him. He was beaten, whipped, bruised, crushed for our iniquity. By his stripes, we're healed. He took everything the enemy was trying to throw at mankind. He stood in the way as the divine intercessor. Took it all. Was nailed to a cross. Suffered. The weight of sin. Father turned his face away. And Jesus just said, forgive them. They know not what they do. He breathed his last and he died. They pierced his side and blood and water flowed. And that blood paid the price for our sin. That body pierced, broken, crucified. He did that so you wouldn't have to suffer it so that you wouldn't have to be judged. Not now, not ever, not on the day of judgment. So that on the day of judgment, you could have boldness, knowing that your great intercessor, your great God, the only one able to answer the call, loves you so much 
that he took it all before you ever did it. So that you, when you opened your heart to receive him as savior, could receive the gift of eternal life, peace, salvation, and joy. I want you to look at the bread and I want you to think of anything that's worrying you, any concerns, any weights. I want you to ask the Lord about it. Lord, what? I want you just to bring it to the Lord. Lord, just begin to pray. Father, I'm worried about this child. God, I'm asking for. And just begin to ask some specific requests right now. And thank him that he'll take care of that. Let's just do some unpacking. You can take a few minutes. Maybe have someone come on the keyboard if they could. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.